That is a uh, powerful, powerful video. Uh, <laughs> Mark sent me that video earlier in the week saying this is the video that we're going to be showing. And uh, I did not watch it. I should have. Um, because to think about <clears throat> the lives um, that have been impacted uh, by those that are so willingly um, that take up the call and to go serve us. Um, I'm, I'm the most guilty of taking advantage of the freedoms that we have in this country. And I know that it has come at a great cost. And um, again, t this weekend, I know it kind of gets mixed up with having Monday off of work and the barbecues and the activities that we try to do with our families which we should do, um, because that is how we can celebrate the freedoms that we do have, but we forget of, you know, what a blessing we, are, we have to live in this great country. And I know right now, it seems like so many things are, are unraveling to one degree or another, but we are still so blessed uh, to live uh, in our country. And so um, it's the whole purpose of uh, Memorial Day weekend uh, in this time. So... Um, I needed that reminder. Um, one of the greatest freedoms that we have, that we take advantage of, that I take advantage of, uh, is this freedom right here. And that is the freedom to open God's word, to read God's word, uh, to teach God's word in a public setting uh, such as this. And we come in here uh, week after week, and um, we sit, we go through it, uh, we do it, we're grateful for it, but sometimes we forget this is a freedom that we have. And um, I don't ever want to take this uh, for granted. So uh, it is a joy to be with you this morning. It's a joy to always open the Word of God with uh, Morningside Church. You guys are my faith family. Um, you literally have become family uh, to, to me over the years. Um, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to serve here as the student pastor. Um, you know, I've been doing it for almost 17 years now. Um, I'm almost 40. I'm 39. I'm not 40 yet, okay? I'm hanging into my 30s. I'm just letting you know. I'm still in my 30s, all right? So, um, but uh, I'm hanging in here, and um, I say that it's just been a joy and an honor to, to be here over the years. Um, one thing I love about Morningside is that we are founded on just the Word of God and making God's Word front and center. This morning, if you have your Bible, uh, I want to encourage you to open to the book of 2 Timothy. We are going to be in chapter 3, uh, working through uh, just a couple of verses there um, at the end of chapter 3, verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. And so if you have your Bible, please go turn there, um, and we will journey through this together. Uh, this morning, I want to just talk to you about responding to the Word, uh, responding to uh, the word. Um, so like I mentioned, um, yeah, I'm almost 40. Um, I don't know. I, I do think it's starting to kind of get to me. Um, but there are different seasons and uh, different times in life, different transitions. And I will say this year, uh, there is a big transition that, that has happened. Uh, this year, I've had the responsibility of teaching my oldest uh, child, my daughter Madison, to drive. And I have witnessed several of you over the years uh, teach your students how to drive um, and have 
you know, been concerned, like, really, they just got their license, seriously? They're going to be on the road with us? But anyhow, so in this uh, journey this year, it's, it's been an interesting uh, time because you don't really think too much about it until you allow your child to sit in that driver's seat and you're in the passenger seat and you turn on to the road for the first time and you realize, there's not a thing I can do. <laughs> um, I've joked with Madison and um, I've tried to remain calm, okay? I really have. I, I, I try to, I, I kind of pride myself in being a, a pretty calm person, but there have been some moments that I've had to, you know, just say, hey, you know, kind of raise the voice a little bit. Um, and, and I just tell her, I said, listen, it's because I got no control. I can't control the brake, the gas, or, you know, the steering wheel. So I, the only control I have is my voice. And I don't know if that's working or not. Um, but anyhow, no, she's been doing a great job uh, learning to drive. But um, as we've been driving, there are just things that you just do uh, when you drive for a while. And things that you just, you know, you don't notice. Uh, I just never realized how many words there are when it comes to teaching somebody to drive. Obviously, the most important word or first word that everybody sees is, you know, the stop, right? The stop sign. Um, but then also when you're teaching somebody to drive, you realize how many rules you really do break, right? Um, and, you know, stop sign. What is that? Well, yeah, you're supposed to stop. I mean, again, it's, you kind of come to that rolling stop. Make sure nobody's coming, nobody's going. Okay, and you keep going. Uh, make sure no cops are around uh, or anything like that, and you keep going. Um, and so anyhow, uh, then you've got the sign yield, um, yield. I mean, that means go faster than the person that's next to you. Get in front of them, right? <laughs> yield nothing. Um, but then when you're teaching somebody to drive, listen, those of you all that have taught your kids to drive, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that have kids, you're going to be there. It's going to be great, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Then it's like yield. You're like, no, you need to kind of slow down, look around, you know, make sure nobody else is coming, right? Um, here's an interesting one. I've never realized how many signs that say no turn on red. Um, there are a lot of signs out there in Tallahassee that I've been making right turns on reds that I just did not realize, and I'm like, oh, no. Um, one of the most important ones that can be very detrimental is one way. Um, I was downtown going to a graduation last week and literally almost turned the wrong way on a one-way street, um, and so... Like I said, uh, so many signs, so many words that are there that are demanding for us to respond uh, in, in one way or another. And the reason why these signs are there, they're there to guide us. Uh, they're there for our safety, uh, for ourselves, and then also the safety of others, right? Uh, that's why these signs are there. And as I was studying for just this week, I was reminded of that, but I am also reminded that uh, God has given us his word, that we have the Bible, and God has given his word, and his word demands a response from us, and if we are not careful, and I will say this week was very tough in studying for this passage. I knew that God put this passage on my heart, but this week was very tough in studying for it because I truly believe as an effective communicator of God's word, you don't just want to get up here and disseminate information to you. That's not my goal, I promise you. My goal is to accurately proclaim God's word, the text that's here, but accurately first proclaim it to myself so that I can then, uh, with an open heart and a clear heart and a clear conscience, proclaim it to you. And so I want you to know that as we work through this passage this week, this is something to where I have been just, again, God has been doing a work in my heart. 
Um, because God's word does demand a response, and unfortunately, we can become very idle, uh, stationary, stagnant, uh, neglectful to the word of God and its role in our life and the fact that we should be responding to it because God has given us his word so that we can know him, so that we can have a relationship with him, so that he can guide us, uh, so that he can, uh, again, protect ourselves and even help protect others. And so this morning, our goal in the few moments that we're going to have here together is our goal is that we want to see how to respond to the Word of God. And so I'm excited about this. Before we read the text, um, just been doing some background research on 2 Timothy. And as you do some just research on the book of 2 Timothy, it was written by the Apostle Paul, written to Timothy. And... uh, Timothy was not just a partner in the gospel for Paul. Uh, Timothy was that spiritual son uh, that he took under his wing, uh, that he mentored uh, throughout the years. Uh, Second Timothy is probably one of the most personal uh, letters, books that Paul writes because it is probably his last letter that he wrote um, before uh, he was executed. Uh, At the end of 2 Timothy in chapter 4, you can go and you can look at some verses there. And Paul is writing to Timothy with an urgency, an urgency that he wants Timothy to come to him. In fact, he even in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he requests Timothy to come to him before winter. Uh, He wants Timothy to go through and to travel. Now again, when you say come to me, this is not the day and age where you can just, you know, get in a car and drive or hop on a plane and go somewhere. No, it took weeks, it took months to travel. And then even what he requests from Timothy, the things that he wants and that he needs, you can see that there's an urgency, almost like he knew, Paul knew, that his time was up and his time was over. And so in light of Paul's condition, because he is now in prison again, and this prison sentence probably was not the same as his prison sentence before, whereas his prison sentence before might have been a house prison, uh, might have been a prison to where people could kind of come and go, kind of a house arrest, if you will, But this prison sentence was much more darker, uh, much more to where he thought that his end and his time was coming. And so in light of all those facts, in light of all that information, it helps give really good background as God used Paul to write this letter to Timothy that he was inspiring at the time that would now become part of the Word of God. But as you read through it, you just see what would you tell somebody that is near and dear to you if you knew your time was coming? And we are privileged to have those words here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so 2 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy as a whole. So 2 Timothy is a very personal and it's also a very practical book. And it is so applicable for our lives today. And so I'm excited about just kind of reading through uh, this passage together. So let's read the whole passage, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. Verses 14 uh, through 17, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true. You know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach Teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Last verse, verse 17. 
God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. So our first response going back, what we want to do is, again, our goal today is we want to just see how to respond to the word of God. Our first response, looking at verses 14 and 15, should be to know the word. Know the word. In verse 14, there is a big transition that takes place as you read through the whole chapter. Uh, Paul says this, but you... He's addressing Timothy, he's addressing God's word, is addressing us. When it comes to knowing God's word, you have to understand that it is up to you, it is up to myself to know the word. You see, when Paul says it is up to you, it is a personal statement. We all have a role to play in knowing the word of God. See, Timothy was living in a very uncertain culture. How do we know that Timothy was living in a very uncertain culture? I want to read, and I want you to look at Hopefully your Bible should still be, you still have your Bibles open. Let's just go up to the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want us to look at what verses 1 through 5 say. And as we read through these verses, I read through these verses several times. Can I tell you something? The thought that came to my mind was, this is us. Meaning, this is our culture. Listen to what it says. You should know this. Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Hello. Does that not sound like our culture? Verse 3. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Again, when I read this this week, the hair was literally standing on the back of my neck. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act, listen to this one, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So he describes to Timothy what this culture, their culture looks like. But then in verse 14, he transitions. He says, in light of the culture, Timothy, you have a role to play. And he says, but you. And when we talk about responding to the word of God, we have to realize that we have to know the word of God. In order to know the word of God, we have to begin to put the burden on ourselves. And so we have a choice to make when it comes to how we're going to respond to God's word, whether we're going to know God's word or not. I cannot tell you how guilty I am, okay, that some of the first things that I do when I wake up is to click Fox News or to click another news app that's on my phone or to click on Facebook, to look on Facebook Marketplace. Right now I'm looking for a car. But anyhow, so all these different things. One of the last things, unfortunately, that I do is I will look at these same things. I'll even check the weather because I'm you know, getting older now and we're just supposed to know what the weather's supposed to do, right? But anyhow, so I'll look at all these things and not that these things are bad to look at, but these things sometimes become priority in my life, whereas the Word of God becomes secondary. And that should not be true and that should not be so. We get so consumed in our conversations, we get so consumed in our thoughts of what is happening in our country, with what is happening in the world around us. And we get so, and I'm not saying that we should be like an ostrich and have our head in the sand, 
But what I'm saying is these things consume our mind, and yet the Word of God we give so little time to, if any time to at all, and it doesn't consume us at all. And there's a reason why sometimes the church doesn't look any different than the world is because, again, God's Word is not going through our hearts. We're not knowing the Word, not spending time in the Word. And so we see, Paul says, but you. And then he goes on and he says, you must remain faithful. And so when you talk about knowing the Word, you have to realize that it takes work to know the Word. It takes work to understand God's Word and what He's trying to show us. But he reminds me, he says, you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You see, we must continue to know and to learn what God's Word is showing us. On a daily basis, yes, I said daily basis, we should be spending time in God's Word. But something happens in our life, and this something happens especially for those of us that have been going to church for some time. And here's what it looks like. Is that we come to church And we've grown up around the church, and we have a good understanding, a good base of what God's Word says and is teaching, and we kind of just keep it at that base. We're not pushing to grow. We might do devotions, and we should do devotions, but we just keep it at surface level, and we're not pushing ourselves to grow. He, Paul encourages Timothy. He says, listen, you must remain faithful. You should continue to grow. Why should we continue to seek God's word? Why should we continue to even re-look at passages in God's word? Because God's word is not just words on a page like any other book. As Hebrews chapter 4, verse says, listen, listen to what it says. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when we talk about knowing God's word, we're not just talking about knowing a book and information that's on a page. We're actually talking about having a relationship with God. That knowing that when we open this, that this is God's word, this is how he primarily communicates with us today. Therefore, we need to give the time needed to hear from God. But he doesn't just say to remain faithful. He says, remain faithful to what you have been taught. If you go back into the beginning of 2 Timothy in chapter, chapter 1, Paul reminds Timothy of two very crucial uh, people in his life. It was his grand, grandmother and his mother. His grandmother's name was Lois. His mother's name was Eunice. And their influential role in teaching Timothy the scriptures as he grew up. He says, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught. And I think about these scriptures and it makes me think about the children that are at Morningside, it makes me think about the students at Morningside, to remain faithful to what you have been taught. One of the most exciting seasons of life, one of the most scary seasons of life as a youth pastor is when students graduate. Because it's, that, it's in that moment that we see a lot of students, they begin, begin to, again, have a lot of freedom. Those that move away from home, those that even that might stay home and go to school here, more freedom comes. As that more freedom comes, you see some decisions that are made to where students begin to kind of drift away from God. And one of the things that happens is they begin to drift away from the Word of God. And so we see this challenge to remain faithful. But this doesn't just happen in that transition from high school to college. This happens at all the different transitions I think about in life. 
For those of you that are young professionals, it can be very easy to begin to pursue your career and get so caught up in pursuing your career that you forget about the Word of God and you don't remember and you forget about what you were taught and you're not pursuing God and yet you're pursuing the things of this world. As you work through your career and as you get into being uh, in your career and you begin to have kids and life gets busy having kids and raising kids and taking your kids from one thing to the next thing and you get so involved in these different things and you forget of what, what is important. Your day, literally the hours, the minutes, the seconds, you feel like they literally just get sucked up uh, and just doing life and you fall asleep just to reset the clock and go to the next day. And it's just trying to make it through one day at a time, forgetting, one, the role that you have to make sure that you know God's Word in your own life, but especially as a parent, to disciple your students, to disciple your child, excuse me, disciple your child to know God's Word as well. But then as you transition into the latter years of life and the latter years of your career, you begin to look toward the end. You begin to look toward that retirement days, those sweet days of when you don't have to go to work, right? The work so hard for this, and that becomes the focus. And yet you neglect the word of God. You get into those retirement years and all of a sudden you're looking back at your life and you're trying to figure out what is important. And again, even in that, you can forget and neglect the word of God. You get later on and I've talked to senior adults, talked to some of my grandparents and they feel like, okay, I just don't know why God still has me here. Maybe you're ready to go home to be with that loved one that you might have lost, but yet you forget that God has got you here and he's got a fresh word for you each and every single day. You just got to spend time with it. But again, we have to remember what we've been taught. You know, an interesting thing I always like to do is just to think to yourself, who has taught you the word of God over the years? Who has invested in you? Obviously, you have pastor. You've got maybe a family member. But again, remain faithful to God's word. The next thing is this. The reward is great when we know God's word. The reward is great. Paul tells Timothy, and he, he reminds them of, again, what God's word is. In verse 15, he says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. See, when we know the Word, the Word is great. The Holy Scriptures that he mentions here is actually, he's referring to the whole, the, at the time he's referring to the Old Testament because again, the New Testament was in the process. God was in, in the process of inspiring the New Testament to be, to be written. So when he's talking to Timothy in this letter, he's referring back to the Old Testament and how the, even the Old Testament brings wisdom for salvation. Why is that? Because the whole story, the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, it is God's story. In fact, even when Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he's on a road uh, to Emmaus, and he's walking with some people that had been following him. And he has a conversation with them. In Luke chapter 24, we're open to the conversation. It says, Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, explaining, for all, the, explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What does Jesus do? He works through the Old Testament and he shows how the Old Testament even points to who he was as Messiah. Here's the amazing thing about the word of God is it's not just God's word, but it is all, the main character is all about Jesus. Jesus is the point of the story. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed with God in the beginning. You see, 
He goes on and says, the, the scriptures, they make you wise. What do they make you wise for? To receive the salvation by trusting in Christ Jesus. Here is the amazing thing about God's word. The word, the Bible, helps us know the word, Jesus Christ. You see, the, the word helps us know the word. The scriptures themselves, they don't provide salvation, but they point to the one, the Savior, who can provide it. So the goal of knowing the word is about a personal relationship with God, not just facts. It's not just about knowing facts about God. It's actually so that you can know the heart of God. How do you know the heart of God? By having a relationship that begins with knowing Jesus Christ. You see, people can know the stories of the Bible, but not know Jesus because they have never received salvation by trusting in Christ. And that's one of the things that honestly scares me sometimes about people that come to church, that we get so used to the idea of church and coming to church, going to Bible studies, and it becomes just head knowledge, and there's never a transfer from our head into our hearts. To what I mean by that is that we transfer our trust and we place our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the story of God shows us that man is sinful and helpless and in need of a rescuer. And the story of God shows us that Jesus is our rescuer because of his finished work on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what I love about what verse 15 says, is that the, the scriptures, they're, they're, they're there to give us wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. And so this morning, step one in knowing the word is believing in Jesus. And if there's never been a time in your life that you have believed or trusted in Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be that day. If you have made that, I pray that there would be a, a, a refreshment today, a reminder today of the importance of knowing God's word. Quickly, we've got to get into verses 16 and 17, as rich as they are. The second response is not just, to, excuse me, the first response is to know the word. The second response is to own the word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, and uh, I had a pastor that told me there are two 316s that you should have memorized Obviously, John 3, 16, which talks about the word Jesus, and 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which talks about the word, God's word, the Bible. Listen to what 2 Timothy 3, 16 says. All scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. What the, the, this verse shows us is it shows us very quickly uh, what scripture is and what scripture does it says in verse 16 all scripture is inspired by god if you go back to the original language that this was written in it was the greek and paul is trying to describe to timothy what god's word is and there wasn't a word in the greek that he could find think about that and so what does he do he takes two words and he kind of makes up a word so in the Greek, the word is theopneusis. He takes the word theo, God, the word neusis, which means breathe. And he makes a word. This is the only time actually in Scripture that this word is used, and it's referring to the word of God. So it says all Scripture is breathed out by God or inspired by God. So that when you read through, and I love the fact that it says all Scripture. So whether you're reading the book of Leviticus 
It's inspired by God. If you're reading the interesting book of the Song of Solomon, it is inspired by God. If you're reading the Gospels, John, it is inspired by God. The book of Revelation, it is inspired by God. Everything, and when we open up God's word, we can know that we are reading God's word. It is all inspired by him. The doctrine of inspiration, it's crucial because we must know what the Bible is, which is the word of God. Therefore, one theologian says this, all the words in the Bible are God's words. Therefore, to disbelieve, to disobey them, or, excuse me, to disbelieve or disobey them is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. So we have to be willing to know the word, but then own the word, own what the word is, but also own what the word does. In these verses, it clearly shows us what God's word does. What does it do? Look at the latter part of verse 16. It teaches us what is true. It makes us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. I think so much we are relying on other sources in our life to teach us what's true. We're looking to our culture when God's word tells us what is true. God's word helps us to have reproof, meaning uh, what is not right in our life. It shows us the things and the areas that we need to correct. It shows them how to get right, but not just that. It, help, it shows us how to stay right in a relationship with God. And it's the word that does the work. I'm reminded of what Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before Jesus goes to the cross, he spends time praying right? I mean, again, side note, if it's one of the last things that Jesus does before he dies, I mean, prayer should be pretty important to us as well. But what does he pray? We're privileged to see some of the things that he prays in John chapter 17. He's praying for his disciples. One of the key things he prays is in John 17, 17. Look what it says. Jesus says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So the question this morning is, what are you doing with the Word? Are you owning it? Are you owning what God's Word, that it really is the Word of God? Are you owning what God's Word does? One of my favorite pastors to follow, he says this phrase, you have to get into the Word so the Word can get into you. And it's something that I've kind of picked up and tried to repeat to our students as well. When we get into God's Word, God's Word begins to get into us. When it gets into us, we begin to actually own it and it becomes our own. But then the last response is this, in verse 17, is that we have to make the word known. We have to be willing to make the word known. So when we know the word, when we own the word, we are then able to make the word known. How does that happen? Verse 17 says, God uses it, talking about the word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Those words prepare and equip. Prepare means to be qualified for a function, capable. Equip, I love this, it means to be super equipped, meaning you are ultimately ready for what God has for you. So then the question that I had to ask myself this week is this, why are there times that I feel unprepared or unequipped to be used by God? And the ultimate answer is, because I'm not spending time in his word or enough time in his word. Listen, God wants to use each and every single one of you once you have a relationship with him to make his word known. But 
you have to be willing to respond to it. I think about how there are so many things that we talk about, so many experiences that we have, so many conversations that we have week in and week out because of things that we've spent time doing, that we've spent time reading, articles that we've seen, highlights, that news headlines that we've seen. We spend time talking about these things, and it's okay to talk about these things, but we spend very little time talking about Jesus, and I would say probably because we spend very little time with him in his word. One thread that I have noticed in my life, and again, just being transparent, is the more time I spend in his word, the more that Jesus just comes out of my mouth. Why? Because there's a relationship that's there. The less time I spend in his word, guess what? The less time that he comes out of my mouth and I feel like those conversations about him are even kind of forced or awkward, which it's always somewhat awkward talking about Jesus, but when he's real and personal, you make him known. Why? Because you've spent time with him. So this morning, there is so much here that's in these verses. My question to you today is just, same question I had to ask myself is, how are you responding to God's word? Do you know the word? Have you owned the word? And are you making the word known? This morning, listen, we talk about responding to God's word. The call throughout all of scripture is to know Jesus, to find salvation in God. The truths that we have sung today can be so real and so personal if you know Jesus. That's why God's given us his word. And if there's never been a time in your life that you have acknowledged that you are a sinner, you are separated from God, and that you need Jesus' forgiveness that is available for you, and you've never put your faith and trust in him, I pray today you would make that decision before you leave these doors. In just a moment, the band's going to come and lead us in worship. Even in the quietest of your heart, you can make that decision. Afterwards, we'll have some people down here you can come and talk to. But the goal this morning is to have a big reminder for the church to respond to the word. This week, let our attitude, let our actions to the word be changed because of the challenge to respond to it that we've heard from his words this morning. Let's pray. God, we come to you today, and I thank you for just everybody that is here. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you have given us as a church to just meet and to gather. God, again, our, our hearts are so heavy with so many things that are going on. God, even looking around this room, knowing that there have been things that have happened this week that have impacted so many lives. God, again, this morning, we, we thank you, Jesus, for the hope that we have in this world, knowing that we will face hard times in one way or another. But Jesus, you tell us that you have overcome the world. So Jesus, I'm just praying to the truth of your scripture this morning that we would respond to your word. Jesus, I'm, I'm praying that we would be challenged to know the word, to own it, and then to make it known. God, we love you so much, and I'm just asking for your spirit to move, God, how you see fit. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray.